You are listening to the Nanuet Golden Knights Principles Podcast with your host, Dr. Kevin McCahill. Okay, so welcome to our third podcast. This is the Principles Podcast um, over in Miller in Nanuet, New York, uh, GW Miller Elementary School. I'd like to introduce our guests today. We have three fantastic math teachers. I have Miss Mindy uh, Mindy Sklar. She's a second grade math teacher joining us today. Welcome, Mindy. Thank you very much. I also have um, Miss Anne-Marie Adjedge, who is a math specialist here at GW Miller. Welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Kevin. And our math facilitator uh, slash teacher here at GW Miller, Mary Rose Palumbo. Thank you very much for joining us as well. Hi. So um, this podcast is going to focus on, I guess we can call it controversial, the, the new math, the new common core math. So I'm a parent of a kindergartner and a, uh, and a second grader. And you can't go on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter without seeing some sort of uh, Gen Xer or millennial parent bashing the new math. Why does it have to be so difficult? Why does it have to be so hard? I can't help my kids at home do their homework. So we're going to focus a little bit on this new math and hopefully shed some light on on the changes and the shifts and hopefully um, show you guys that there's some positives to this um, the, to this shift. So. Um, we're going to start off. I'm going to ask um, Mary Rose. Tell us a little bit about the K-2 math program here at GW Miller. Absolutely. So we use a program here at Miller. It's called a Story of Units, and there's um, six to eight modules in each grade level. The program is a balance between conceptual understanding, fluency, and application. Concepts are developed using hands-on activities. Students will work with concrete materials and then move to some representational models and then to different abstract ideas. For example, in kindergarten, students will learn about making numbers using different materials such as cubes, tiles, or counters. They'll learn how to compose numbers by finding the parts that make a whole. So they might build numbers using two different color counters and learn that five could be a four and a one, or two and a three. And then from there, students might move to a more representational model and learn how to show the way to make a five on a 10 frame or in a number bond. And finally, they could move to a more abstract model, which would be an equation, which is something that we're all familiar with. This concrete representational and abstract progression happens in all the grades. It doesn't necessarily happen in that order. Kids could move from concrete to um, more abstract ideas, or they may have had the concrete before in a previous grade, so they might move just to the representational models, which would be things like a number bond or um, different models that we use like the tape diagrams and 10 frames. In our program we spend a lot of time on fluency. Fluency is addressed K-2 to with warm-up or fluency activities that are usually done whole group and they might be completed on whiteboards. Fluency activities are short and they help children to develop or reinforce important number concepts at each grade level. Mary Rose, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. We hear about fluency, and our, our two podcasts ago, we talked about fluency in our, um, our reading, our ELA. Can you talk a little bit, well, what is fluency in the math world? Sure. Fluency in the math world would be something where the kids are going to be practicing um, maybe number concepts, um, such as their basic, basic math facts. It could be also practicing place value concepts, so understanding about tens and ones in a number. Um, students might work on different computation strategies as well. And the goal of um, fluency practice is to promote automaticity 
and to recognize and use patterns and structures of math. So the automaticity is critical so that students can avoid using up too much attention with those lower level skills when they're addressing higher level problems. So we really want them to understand and be able to do this um, automaticity and have the fluency because it prepares them for different computational foundation and it enables them to have a deeper understanding. Okay. Um, so it sounds like you're looking for deeper understanding of numbers. I heard you talk about tens. It, there's a value in, from what I've seen in making friendlier numbers where students somehow they manipulate equations to, to create friendlier numbers that they can actually understand and manipulate. Um, and then you're also talking about using um, different tiles and manipulatives. And I see from my walkthroughs that you guys are always using manipulatives and stuff like that. Um, is that a shift from the, the way that we used to do it? or? It really isn't a shift um, as much as people may think. We've always used concrete materials. We've always been developing number concepts. But with the way that we're doing things now, it's a deeper understanding of that. So starting in kindergarten, there is um, a lot of focus on making 10 and understanding the number pairs that make 10 and doing that with concrete materials. And then that changes and develops as it moves up to first grade in doing it with a more representational and being able to take 10 and understand that there is 10 inside of teen numbers. Teen numbers are made up of 10 and some more ones. And then being able to use that 10, it progresses further in second grade, so that when they're solving a math problem like nine plus seven, and they may not already have the automaticity to know that that's 16, that hasn't been memorized yet, they learn how to use nine plus seven to make a 10. So they're taking one from the seven, mm -hmm. adding it to the nine, turning it into 10, so that problem can then become 10 plus 6 is 16. And because they have the foundation of understanding that teen numbers are made up of 10 and some more ones, 9 plus 7 can be easily solved mentally as thinking about as being a 10 and 6. Right, that right. progresses further in second grade because then we use that same strategy to work up and through 100. That, that's, that sounds like a shift. Um, from the way we used to do things. I mean, at least I know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up practicing stacking numbers over the other numbers and then adding them, hoping I didn't have to borrow from the other side. And, and now we're talking about creating friendly numbers like tens, and then we know what, it, what the teens look like. And I, re, I think that that's a positive shift. Absolutely, because um, our number system is based on understanding of 10. And when the kids do have that deeper understanding, they can utilize that when they're doing higher level math. Okay. And while we do still stack numbers on top of each other and do column addition or column subtraction, that's not the main focus anymore. It's a focus on understanding and being able to manipulate numbers okay. and understanding how to compose them and decompose them. Okay. And what, what does a typical math class look like? So a typical math class um, would be a mix of whole group or small group work, partner work, and independent work. A math lesson might start with a fluency practice activity, maybe a sprint. Um, and then continue maybe with an application problem because it's important for kids to be able to take those skills that they're learning and be able to apply them in different real world, world situations. And then there would probably be the main part of the lesson which would be a whole class um, concept development. That could be followed up with student practice time and that practice time could be a completion of problem sets or it might be small group or center work at which time maybe games might be incorporated into what they're doing to reinforce the skill that they were just working on. 
Okay, great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the difference. So we can't really uh, talk about something or compare it uh, unless we make it relative to something else. So relative to the way the old math or the math that most of us parents are used to doing, um, what are some of the changes that we're seeing in the classroom um, in terms of children and their, their conceptual understanding of what they're doing? I remember that was always an issue. Kids would say, I can do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I can really follow the algorithm to the answer. Right, you know, it's taken some time, but with the implementation of the new math standards, there has been uh, an increase in the student's conceptual understanding of math. In the past, when we as adults uh, were in elementary school and learned math, there was an emphasis on rote learning, which was a skill taught, was taught and drilled over and over again with little attention paid to the understanding of the mathematical concept. Algorithms were taught, and as long as the student produced the correct answer, the teacher moved on. As a result of this, some students never built a conceptual understanding of math. And throughout my career as a teacher, I've had countless conversations with parents, and they shared with me how they struggled in math and how it just wasn't their subject. And looking back, we can now attribute that to the way we were taught math. Um, children today have a much deeper understanding of number because we as educators have learned that rote learning is not the answer. Uh, just an example of this would be uh, if a student can quickly fill out an addition worksheet that really doesn't provide much information regarding whether he or she understands addition conceptually. To see whether the child really understands addition as teachers or even as parents, we may want to either make the child solve the addition problem using a variety of place value strategies or ask a real world question such as a word problem to see if they can apply what they learned to something that's outside of just a computation. Okay, okay, great. Um, we were talking earlier today about um, one of our favorite musicians, Jimmy Buffett, and he has a song called Math stinks. I don't think he used stinks, but um, I'm sure his experience in the classroom was not a positive one. Are we seeing a change in students' uh, confidence toward math, their opinions on math? Well, over the last couple of years, I've noticed that my students are entering second grade with much more of a foundation in mathematical concepts and skills. I've also noticed them having more confidence in math, they enjoy math, they are excited by math, and I attribute that to a deeper understanding of math. Uh, I also see an increase in class participation. When students are asked how they solved a problem, they love to share their strategy, and it's become ingrained in them that there are many, many ways to solve a problem. So students are encouraged to choose a strategy that works for them, and this makes them feel very successful. Oh, that's great to hear. As a principal and as a parent of children who are learning um, this math shift for the first time, um, that's definitely comforting to hear that there's more than one way uh, to get to the final answer, which is much more um, connected with what we expect from them in life and, w and whatever they're going to do. Um, okay, so this podcast um, not only serves as, as information for teachers, but um, we're also talking to our parents out there. So it's important when we sit down at night with our kids and they, they take out some of these engaged New York things or um, other homework assignments that uh, as parents we can understand or uh, start to learn along with them. Um, what you know, why is it important for parents to have a positive attitude toward this new math? 
Well, I think parents, um, it's really important for you to uh, make sure that your feelings, if they're negative, don't come across to your children. You have to help your child enjoy math by talking about it in a positive manner. Um, think aloud when you're with your, with your children. Uh, use math every day with them. Uh, think out loud. Tell them what you're thinking when you're solving a problem. Um, it's important for parents to avoid statements like, I was never good at math, or I don't like math, or math is hard for me. Um, if math makes you nervous, try not to pass those feelings on to your child. At homework time, begin the session by asking your child to explain what she or he is supposed to do. By their response, you'll know if she can do the assignment alone or if they need help. If you're not home when your child completes math homework, make sure that they know that when you get home, you will take time to look over it. Okay, okay. Um, and. You know, we talked earlier, Mary Rose, you had mentioned math fluency and strong number sense. What are the things that parents can do at home to, to assist or to build number sense? Um, well, you can build number sense every day in so many different activities, such as um, counting the number of steps from lo one location in your house to another, um, counting the number of trucks that you see while driving, or simply counting the number of items you're putting into the grocery cart. Um, you can look around your house and find uh, groups of two objects like a pair of gloves, a pair of socks. See how many paired items your child can find in the house, in the yard, in the garage. Um, for example, for any holiday or season, you can use different colors of paper and make a paper chain. Um, you can use um, numbers on the on the links. You can create patterns by repeating colors and numbers of rings in a regular order. Um, reading the calendar with your child will help determine the number of days left in the week, the number of days until a certain special event that's coming up. Um, another important piece is to expose your children to money early on. Have them collect coins and count them out regularly have your child count the coins out at the store if they want to pay for an ice cream or a cookie. In the summer you can help them set up a lemonade stand. They can count out how many cups they need. If they sell a cup of lemonade for 10 cents, how many cups will they need to sell in order to make a dollar. Um, telling time until a favorite TV show comes on. Math is all around in everyday life at right, home. Right. It sounds like advice from, from, from us would be to use positive things to count. Don't count the number of bites of broccoli at night. Yes, that'll, absolutely. That'll have us working backwards, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so the last topic, uh, last question um, that I think will be um, beneficial for parents out there, are there any games, any games that parents can play at home, you know, to build that positive connection with math and also, you know, what's better than playing games with your kids? Yeah, there are so many games out there, and we all have a pack of cards at home. Card games are great for building number sense. Um, dice games and games that involve dominoes help kids learn quickly to recognize groups of numbers. Um, any board games that involve counting, uh, as young as kindergarten, they can play Chutes and Ladders, Candyland, Almost all board games involve some sort of counting. Tic-tac-toe, Connect Four, um, helps to teach rows and columns. 
Um, Yahtzee is perfect for working with reinforcing addition skills, adding the numbers on the dice. And the other piece is you can have your child play um, age-appropriate games on the computer. Okay. I want to add to maybe adding something to do with Minecraft because that—that's what so many kids are in front of. So if there are ways to connect with numbers in Minecraft, that'll work as well. Okay, I'd like to thank our special guests today once again, Mary Rose Palumbo. Thank you. Thank you. And Maria Jedge, thank you so much. You're welcome. And Mindy Sklar, thank you for spending time with us at the Principals Podcast. We will finish uh, with our uh, our quote of the day by Paul Hamos. He is uh, a mathematician. The only way to learn mathematics is to do mathematics. So thank you, go Golden Knights.